What is up, designers, and welcome to the Grand Design Podcast. The podcast is all about taking the ideas in your, your head and materializing them in the real world in the form of mass movements. It's your dude, your boy, your fam, whatever you want to call me, Dallas, and uh, welcome. Good to have you back. Um, this podcast episode is going to be all about patterns because patterns are important. You know, if you're someone and you're in, or you're on a journey, you're on a voyage, you're on a mission, you're sojourning, however you want to say it, and you're struggling with where you are, patterns are important because even if you're not struggling where you are, patterns are important because it helps you, you know, it helps you recognize the archetypes that already exist for what you're doing. And it helps you, one, get around the obstacles that you're facing, two, expedite the process from point A to point B, and B, feel more, and C, I can't count numbers, and C, understand that where you are is where you need to be and where you should be, despite what you might think personally. Okay, um, and I want to. So I want. I want you to listen to what I'm going to say next because, you know, you might relate to this pattern if you realize it. Okay, and so um, I started. You know, really with my first business, quote unquote, idea. Um, I believe in. January of 2018. I remember waiting for the new year timer to count down and uh, thinking, man, I'm going to start this business uh, in January of 2018. And I I don't remember why I waited. I think it was because I was waiting on a paycheck or waiting for my money to come back after the new year's or something like that. Because I spent so much, I spent like $900 just, you know, in, in, and I was only making like what, $12 an hour. Uh, I spent like 900 some dollars on Christmas that year. And I guess I was waiting for the money to come back so I could spend it on Facebook ads and, you know, a Wix site. I was using Wix at the time. And uh, so January 2018 is where I started my business. And if you know anything about business, you think everything's going to be sunshine and rainbows, but it gets rough really quickly. But if you fast forward a little bit before that, you know, uh, all my life, man, all my life, man, I've always felt separate and, and different from the people around me. Like I felt like no one ever related to me. I felt isolated. You feel this too, right? I mean, you felt this way your all your whole life, you know, if you like if you're really a designer, you know. And so the people that are around me, you know, I could I, I could never relate to them and I could never integrate with them because just the ways they saw life I didn't agree with. I, I felt I feel like I've always had a, a accelerated vision or a sense of what things could be an idealism about me. You know, like I could never vote because I realized the flaws in the system and I think we can make it better by doing X. I can't honor a system that I think is inferior to what's, you know, what, what could be. You know, I can't go to college and live this way because I think this way is better, you know. And because of that, I've had a lot of troubles integrating with society. And I always felt isolated and I always felt like, you know, just alone in my thoughts and my journeys. And like, I couldn't share them with people. You know, a lot of us feel this way. Uh, uh, when you first started your business journey, right? Um, you've, you've, you experienced this, you know, you had epiphany after epiphany after epiphany, realization after realization after realization. You get so excited about the thing you just learned and you go and try to talk to family about it. Like I just learned, uh, and, uh, they don't really understand. They don't get excited about it. Like you did. They say, Oh yeah, that's cool. Oh, Oh wow. That's nice. Uh, because they don't really understand. They're not having the epiphany as you had it. And by the way, um, if you're an entrepreneur and you're on the other side of this curve um, and you're having a little success, but um, you're having a lot of trouble, you know, explaining the ideas that you're having in a format that people actually relate to and that they actually understand, you're having trouble giving people the epiphany that you had 
you know, uh, you know, we got a service for that. You know, uh, throughout my life, you know, I've always tried to have had ideas in my head that I felt could change, you know, the lives of people around me. Okay, like, oh, if you just knew this, you would quit college right now and you would live such a amazing and fulfilling and peaceful and beautiful life. If you knew this, my brother, you probably wouldn't be in prison right now. But I told you and I couldn't communicate in a way that actually impacted you. And so if you're an entrepreneur and you're struggling with structuring your thoughts and ideas in a way that actually, one, impacts people to the point where you can build culture and community around your ideas because like I said on my birthday just just passed I just prayed for community because it's hard for us we don't have a lot of community but if you if you're looking for a way to structure your ideas in a way that does build the community and build the tribe and also if you're looking into structuring your ideas in a way that actually impacts people and changes them on their course you know because you organize your thoughts in that well of a way then uh I recommend you come to us and write a book you know a lot of people who write books are just writers. They're not marketers. They're not business owners. They don't understand, you know, what it takes to actually craft a message in a way that actually impacts people. They write regular memoirs. What we do over at memoirlaunch.com is we write sales memoirs. We organize thoughts in a way that actually impacts people and builds a tribe and community around our ideas. You know, it's not like a regular memoir or a regular memoir is the equivalent of saying like, hey, so-and-so I have this idea like would you like how you used to do to your friends and your family and they just don't understand you okay but uh, (laughs) because you're not structuring it in a way that actually impacts people the way marketers and business owners are trained to do what really marketers are trained to do and so uh like I said in the last podcast episode uh memoir launch isn't really ready to launch ironically enough and so we have a waiting list of you know if you want to get a sales memoir written for your business because it is a profitable endeavor and all that cute stuff uh, you can go to memoirlaunch.com slash launch list. It's a little quiz uh, that you have to take to see if, you know, we're really a good fit, a good match to work with each other in the first place. But uh, once you take that quiz, you can sign up and the list is first come, first serve. And so uh, we're going to be hitting up the people on that list once we're ready to go and trying to get as many people's stories written and out to the world and out to their communities as possible. So memoirlaunch.com slash launch list if you're interested in that. But uh, enough with that tangent. Um I started out, you know, feeling that way and not being able to really communicate with the people around me the ideas that I was experiencing. And that resulted in one, a feeling of looking for a culture. And I found it in before 2008. I found it in the Internet community. You know, it was a lot of generalists that I was listening to prior to 2018 and the launch of this this business idea. You know, prior to the launch of 2018. In 2018, uh, I was um, listening to a lot of like Ty Lopez, listening to a lot of Grant Cardone, you know, a lot of these people, you know, on the Internet and um, just looking for a community. But also I was looking for a way to take these ideas out of my head and create them into a mass movement and impact people, create them into a business, you know, and I was struggling with that. And so I struggled with that for a while. But, you you know, that journey cultivated in my mind the idea that marketing was a way to take these ideas and spin them in a way that people actually have the same epiphanies as me and they get excited like me when I tell them these things. Okay. And so I didn't know I would dedicate a lot of my life after that to that idea, but it, it, you know, you know, to doing that, but, uh, you know, it's, it, it created a spark in my mind. So here we go in 2018, you know, at the beginning of 2018, I'm working the target night shift and I'm just trying to find any way, which in my mind, the idea is marketing to communicate my ideas to the world in a way that catches on. Okay. And so that, uh, you know, that allows me to then search for marketing in my, you know, um, 
i you know ipod you know or whatever and so i started to stumble upon you know the marketers of the world the frank kearns and the russell brunson and the sales funnel radio by stephen j larson and i'm starting to learn from these people these are my people these are my culture and these are the people that's going to help me get these ideas and materialize materialize them into the world in the form of mass ideas like russell brunson did with click funnels Okay, and so here's what here's the deal, man. My job at Target, I would come in at 4 a.m. in the morning, in the middle of the night. The lights would be dim. It would be like eight of us in the store, and so it was the perfect. I, and I dropped out of college at this point, and so it was the perfect learning ground to get my own education in the way that I wanted. And so my job was just to take boxes out of the truck and put it on the shelves, as simply as it put. And so in that period where I'm putting things on the shelf, you know, I'm alone in my own aisle. It's quiet, and I would listen to podcasts and dodge my managers that didn't want me to listen to podcasts in the aisles. But I had to learn somehow, so I was dodging them and ducking them and hiding and taking it out when I saw them. But I would listen to these podcasts on this night shift just to get these ideas out into the world because I knew they could help and change people. And uh, you know, and so I'm listening to these podcasts, I'm listening. I'm discovering these people like Guy Raz, Bigger Pockets, uh, but more so than anything, I'm toning in. And I've listened to the every episode of, to this day of the the Marketing Secrets podcast by Russell Brunson because that's really the one that I fell in love with because it was all about that idea, that concept of marketing, getting my ideas out into the world. Okay, and so I've also listened to every podcast episode of the Sales Funnel Radio, but that's neither here nor there. I'm trying to learn and download as much information as I can about marketing. Because, you know, there are a lot of things in the way of me getting these ideas out into the world and marketing is the channel to do it. It's something I'm really believing, something I'm thinking is honest. Okay. And so I found, uh, you know, like a lot of us do, you can you know, relate to this, right? If you're, if you're a business owner, I found a lot of trouble in that journey. You know, uh, I believe I launched, you know, like I said, I had spent $900 that Christmas. Uh, and so I had to delay the launch of this business idea, which was the Beat Buddy system. Uh, it was a production business. If you, you know, if you heard of, heard of that at all, you probably haven't. But if you heard me mention it, is what I'm saying. Um, but I'm listening to this marketing information, and the Beat Buddy system is the first idea I come up with. And I'm excited about this idea. Like I'm like, man, I've listened to so many episodes of this Marketing Secrets podcast, and I'm ready to I'm ready to crush it, man. I'm ready to do the thing. I'm ready to get this idea out into the world. And so uh, I believe, you know, uh, I was listening to the Marketing Secrets podcast, and I decided in that January um, to make the business, to make this idea real, to put it out into the world. And so I put the marketing secret. I mean, I put the, I made, made, I got a Wix site because I had Wix back then. I used Wix as my site editor. And, uh, you know, I identified a problem in the world. The problem was, um, I didn't, you know, as a rapper, I didn't have beats, but now I knew how to make beats a little bit. I had been making beats for a little while, probably like a few months at that point. And so I was like, okay, my first business is going to be giving beats to rappers. And so I made a, a little Wix site uh, and a business idea. My business idea was, okay, I'm going to have a monthly subscription system where I send out beats to rappers every Saturday or, you know, I send out two beats every Saturday. That's the regular level uh, for free. And then the premium level, uh, I send out like four beats, four premium level beats, quote unquote, uh, every Saturday. And that was the first business idea I actually tried on. And I, how old was I at the time? I was probably like, I don't know. I was shoot, two years ago. Man, I was 20. I was 20. Uh turning 21 that March. And uh I thought things were things were really going good at first, you know, because I I I I was a little ahead of my time in 
ahead of my own pace, rather, not ahead of my time as in society, but ahead of my pace. Because I, the first thing I did was create like an ad that was like, hey, the producers out here suck and they're charging too much for beats. Um, come over here and buy from me. And a lot of people started following me. A lot of people started following. I got like an email list of 300 people like very, very quickly, which I didn't even understand the value of an email system back then. So I kind of took that for granted. And then uh, fast forward a month after that, I remember waiting for the New Year's, you know, to go off because I was going to start my uh, when the next check came in from the target. I was making twelve dollars an hour. I was going to start this business and uh, I started the business and fast forward to February, I believe 14th. No, February. Eight, 17th, I believe February 17th. And I got my first sale for nine dollars and ninety five cents. From a guy named Jawanza in California, which I'm in California, you know, ironically enough, I still follow him on social media, a good dude. But uh, it was the most exciting thing in the world. Somebody understood the idea that I was trying to promote. Uh, fast forward to April of this year, though, and uh, man, I'm exhausted. The business uh, kind of fizzles off because I'm spending all this money on ads and no one else is signing up. So I'm kind of stumped, like, hmm. This is an interesting challenge. I got the uh, the dot com secrets book, I believe, that April eighteenth of two thousand eighteen, and I'm still working this job at the Target of the night shift. You know, I'm still excited. I'm still hype. I'm like, man, I'm telling everybody around me, like I said in the story, man. Look, yeah, y'all gonna be able to quit y'all job soon because this business stuff is the real deal. I already made my first sale. It's working, man. We're gonna do it. You know, uh, just consider it a wrap. And uh, long story short, if you know how this story goes, uh, it goes very badly because then that business fizzles off that April because I'm like, man, it's just not working. I don't know what's wrong with it, but I'm learning and listening to this podcast and getting through every episode still during the meantime. You know, I'm learning and uh, you've probably experienced this, too. You've downloaded a lot of information in your head, right? And you're applying it and it works and then it doesn't really work or maybe it hasn't worked at all. It really sucks. It's like, man, what the heck? So I go into the next business that September, um, you know, and I'm working like crazy on the night shift. I'm working like six days a week, you know, five hours each day. Like, that's crazy to me. <laughs> like, and, um, you know, my managers are not really the nicest people in the world. Like, it, it's, it's a grind. And at the same time, I see the light at the end of the summer. Like, man, I'm going to quit this job, make this business. It's going to blow up. It's going to be crazy. And so all the rage online is social media marketing courses. And I feel like, you know, I have enough I'm an expert at marketing at this point in time. I've been listening to this podcast for like eight months and still have never built a business. And so that October, I go to work on making a course on marketing because I sold one nine ninety five product online and I'm obviously an expert and I was going to sell the course and be rich. Okay. And that was the whole idea. I'm going to sell the course and be rich. And um, long story short, I spend all that entire from September to October to November, just outside filming hours and hours and hours and hours worth of course content. Like, man, I'm going to make this course. And it's going to be the best thing in the world. And uh, long story short, that course never sells. Um, I didn't make any money from that course. And so a whole year, entire year flashes by and uh, things are getting a little hectic in my household. Like, you know, I've spent thousands of dollars on ads at this point without really getting a real significant sale. And uh, the people around me are starting to notice. They mean, like, I'm not going to school at this point. I dropped out and they, you know, I'm working this low paying job and spending all my money on eating and, you know, what they think is eating and taking my girl out. But it's ads. I'm spending it all on ads. My ad account is like, yay high. Okay. And so many times because I'm getting paid so little, I'm not even able to afford to pay off my ad account. And, um, I'm struggling, man. I'm struggling, but I'm keeping faith. I'm grinding. I'm grinding hard because I believe in the people that I'm listening to. I believe in the people that I'm listening to. Um, 
So then if you go, what was my next business endeavor after that? I believe it was that year, that December of 2018. Yes, it was that December 2018 when I'm like, okay, let's do something a little bit easier. Okay, that doesn't require learning about ads and all this stuff. And I go to Fiverr and on Fiverr, I think it was at that point where I started ghostwriting. And at first I was trying to sell, uh, what was I trying to sell? Ghostwriting services? What it was? It was something around ghostwriting. I was trying to sell a ghostwriting course. Okay, but anyway, I went to ghostwriting services and uh, I started on Fiverr, you know, selling my ghostwriting services for $5.00 for like 1,000 words, uh, $10 for 5,000 words and 10, 10, you know, uh, for 10,000 words, it was $20 or something like that. And I started selling easily because it's Fiverr, you know, people buy cheap products on Fiverr because they're coming to look for it. And I'm excited at first. I'm, I'm like, whoa, are we selling? Yeah. You know? <laughs> and, uh, I started to make a little bit of money off of that. So I started to bump the prices up. I'm like, okay, let's bump them up. Let's, let's get a little, little tricky. Let's make for 10,000 words, a hundred dollars. Oh, it's never going to sell. Never. Man, I remember uh, this guy, um, Max. I don't even remember his name. I, I can look it up, but uh, what was his name? Mm, uh, I don't remember. I don't remember. But I remember this dude bought for like, it was a $70 order plus a $25 add-on because I built the funnel for his book too. And uh, I remember he bought I'm like, man, I'm getting $100 for 10,000 words. This crazy. This crazy. I, I spent like three months selling these 10,000 words for $20? Like, man, we, we on the way. And I'm bragging again. I'm getting a little excited. I'm like, Russell Brunson, Frank Kern, thank you. I'm a business owner because I'm working on Fiverr as a freelancer. Yeah. And so the next step, I bumped it up again. Let's double it. Let's see how far we can go. $200 for 10,000 words. And people continue to buy. Um, And I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited. Like, man, if I could just make this bigger, then I can quit Target and I can, I can be good. You know, we're going to be good forever. I'm going to take care of my girlfriend. I'm going to move out. We're going to have an apartment. It's going to be a beautiful summer. I keep telling her, man, like, yo, it's going to be a beautiful summer. We good. Blah, blah, blah. This, then, and third. You know, I'm going to get you the world, girl. And, uh, you know, time passes. You know, I'm still working at the Target. And I'm coming home to, you know, write for these people. And um, you realize one thing very quickly, man. 10,000 words is a lot of freaking words. And so when I would come home from the Target, get home at like 9 a.m. in the morning, I would take a nap for like two hours. And then I would have to work all day on this 10,000 words for $200. And then Fiverr would take, you know, 20%. So I'd only get $160. And then it would be 14 days till I can even deposit in my bank account. Long story short, it was just like the B-Buddy system. After a while, it kind of burned me out and it kind of really wasn't worth it. And I started to get bummed out again. You know, people started to swarm again. My parents was not, they was not having it, bro. Like, you got to be something more than what you are, boy. You know, go back to school. Just go back to school. Go back to work. Like I said, I've had these ideas and I know they don't work out sometimes, but I still, I felt like I saw something beyond. So I had to pursue it. Um, at this point in time, man, I'm probably like $3,000, $4,000, probably $3,000 in the whole, in terms of spending money on Facebook ads. For the majority of this time, my ad accounts are shut down because they have a balance on it that I can't even pay off because I'm not being profitable. And I pay them off every now and then, run an ad because I think this ad is going to be the one. I'm going to wake up so much money in my bank account. I run my ads to ClickFunnels and I would get zero sales. And so I kind of got tired of the Fiverr thing and the Upwork thing and they kind of start banning me and all this crazy stuff. And um, I kind of just move on from that and try to start selling my ghostwriting services through Facebook ads and on ClickFunnels. And I would just over and over and over and over again, following everything that Russell Brunson taught me, run these ads to this ClickFunnels account. And I would get, which is just a website builder like uh, Wix, which uh, 
if you if I want to put it in simplest terms, zero dollars literally every single time. And um, it got to the point where I had spent like five thousand dollars on ads and wasted two years of my time, no degree without getting a single sale. And I'm just completely bummed out. Like it, it is the worst time in life, period, because everybody is rubbing in my face. Like, how's the business thing going? You know, you know, I got to help my girlfriend out with things and I can't help her because, you know, I don't have any money. You know, she's paying for dinners and things like that. And um, it was a hard time. My father would come in every single day. It was like, you, you, spend, you still spending money on ads? Stop spending money on those ads. It's not going to work. You know, it's not possible to do it, you know, like these people are telling. You know, they have hidden advantages that they don't really discuss with other people, you know. Why would they give the secret to you? You just be their competitor. And um, I know it's right, but I don't know how to work it. I'm just kind of down. I'm kind of bummed. And so, you know, I just started trying to, you know, I, I kind of took a little step back. And um, I was still writing on Fiverr every now and then, but... I was kind of just tired of it and sick of it. And I was doing a crap job, a non-quality job because it was just, it was, the juice wasn't worth the squeeze, man. I couldn't get past $200 because people wouldn't buy and it just sucked. And I thought that was, you know, that was just it. Um, after that, you know, we come up on September 5th of 2019 and I'm just tired, man. So, you know, after we got stuck up in DC at gunpoint, I was like, man, I'm tired of this. You know, I don't want to write on Fiverr. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to work this job. You know, I just want to, I just want, I just want this to work. And I don't know. I just kind of had a moment. I just said, man, I'm never going to this target. I'm never working this night shift again. I'm done with it. I quit that job, you know, with really no way of how I was going to work it. But the intention was, you know, at my bottom, I'll, you know, at the worst of the worst situation, where I have no other choice. I'll come up with the best of creativities. And at least now I have time and the full mental willpower necessary to learn over and over again and try over and over again the things that would bring me the success that I wanted and so I quit that job and um long story short my parents that same period of time asked me look hey look you either going to go to school or you're going to pay rent going to school for me was not an option like I said I have ideas beyond what people feel you you understand me on this right but I you know and so I can't oblige to what society wants because that would make me contradictory that's against my principles and um you know, I'm just, man, it's just pure frustration. And I can't pay rent, obviously, because I quit my job, but I can't tell them that because then they would really light me up. And so I just decided, man, I'm just going to be homeless. Going from there, I leave my house and I'm living with my girlfriend at her mother's house. And, uh, you know, I, I believe I read in the Expert Secrets book that changing the sales environment was something important to big ticket sales. And so, man, I'm like, okay, at this point in time, I'm such an introvert and I really don't like confrontation. I don't like phone calls, but. I'm willing to try anything to get the sales that I need at this point. So I started calling people about freelance, you know, to get, you know, to get them to write a book for me. And I'm like, man, I cannot do this for $200. Let's just go out on a limb for $1,000. Ooh, four figures. And I remember being so nervous to, you know, make, you know, ask somebody for that type of money. I was so nervous to ask, you know, somebody for that type of money. But I'm like, man, I, I have to get this capital. I have to get these ideas out into the world. And the only way to do it is to have money for myself to promote these ideas, you know. And uh, Russell Brunson said it was the way, so it must be the way. Um, and so I started sending people pitches on Instagram and taking phone calls. The first day I phone call, you know, it was a guy named John. Um, 
and this guy named John, he talked to me for a bit and I didn't really know how to sell him. So he kind of fizzled off and disappeared into the woods. <laughs> and, uh, man, I remember feeling really bummed out at this point in time, really bummed out at this point in time. Like I've tried for two years. I've tried my heart out. Man, Russell, Steven, Frank, I've listened to everything that you had to say. And I'm not getting the success that I want. I'm not breaking through. What is like, what is something wrong with me? What am I doing wrong? Like, as I said in the last part of this episode, I felt bitter. I felt betrayed. I felt burnt out. I felt like almost like, you know, close to giving up, like nothing would work. And that these people, man, maybe they did just have something different. Maybe my father was right. Maybe it was something different about them. Maybe they weren't giving the secret sauce, you know, and I, I, I just felt, you know, just bad you know, just bad. I, you know, I, I, you know, I, I was, you know, they were my mentors and I was listening to everything they, that they had to say and still nothing was coming of it, you know, and that went on to, you know, November of 2019. And I picked up the phone one day and this lady, you know, I don't know, I talked to her and I, you know, I, you know, she said, I want a book written. I said, okay, I'm write a book for you. And I told her the price and she said, okay. And, uh, she said, we're going to do it. And, um, I remember feeling so super excited that day. And I hung up the phone and she never paid. But I had set up an interview time with her. So coming up on the next phone call, you know, I picked up the phone to interview with her and she actually answered the phone. And we talked about the interviewing process. I think I interviewed her a little bit. And then I, she was like, oh, and by the way, you know, I'm going to pay that today, that thousand dollars that you, that you, you know, that I'm going to answer to the order form that you sent me today. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, huh, it's not going to happen. I, I remember putting down the phone. And uh, checking in, I was refreshing the page over and over and over again to see if she actually paid, refreshing my Stripe account. And lo and behold, the money was actually wired through. And I remember having a burst of excitement, like, man, I'm really on my way to doing this thing. I'm really like, that was the day I feel like my identity around money completely shifted because I'm like, $1,000 was nothing to this person, which ended up being a $2,000 order for 10,000 words. You know, like, it blew me away. It literally blew me away. Like, like I'm just like, my father was actually wrong. Let's do this. Like, you know what I'm saying? Let's, let's, you know, just do this as much as possible. You know what I mean? <clears throat> and, you know, bitterness and the frustration kind of was assuaged for the moment. Like, it, you know, it kind of melted away. You see, um, the next thing that happened after that was I started interviewing this lady. And uh, when I was interviewing her and because she has to tell me her story so I can write it. The funny thing is, I pick up the phone and begin to talk to her. I still remember the first day I really felt this feeling. I had freshly moved to California that December because that sale happened in November. And uh, I really got on the phone for her because I did a little brief interview at first, tried to write, and what I gave her was kind of trash. And so we got on for a real interview. And I remember we were at this, uh, we had freshly moved to California. It was, it, was, it was beautiful because here it was like 50 degrees and home was like freezing cold. And the days are bright and sunny. And I remember we were at this little cot uh, on this, you know, it was, a, it was a house, right? And we were staying in this Airbnb for 10 days uh, in the back of this little yellow Spanish style house. Like we would go up the driveway and open like the, you know, the gate to go into the back. And it was this little, uh, little standalone little house thing. I don't know how you say it. It was like a, like a one floor little mini, you know what I'm talking about. I don't even know how to explain it. It was just like a little small studio apartment in the back <laughs> but it wasn't an apartment it was just like one unit like just sitting there and we entered the cold to the door and the light would filter do in the morning it was clean and it was fresh and we felt everything felt alien like everything felt brand new 
uh, and we were on our own. My girlfriend would go out to school, 9 a.m., beautiful, beautiful mornings. You know, if you've never been in California in the winter, it's beautiful, it's crispy, the air is clean, um, palm trees everywhere, it's like paradise, you know, and everything's quiet and it's peaceful. But I remember sitting, you know, there those, you know, these mornings just feeling completely like like that new house feeling, that new car feeling. And I was just interviewing this lady and she started raveling off to me, unraveling her story for me. And when she started telling her story, the weirdest thing happened. Um, she started telling me almost to a T exactly my own life. I remember her telling me some of the things that she went through and just having complete goosebumps because I'm like, oh my God, like this is exactly what I'm experiencing right now. She's just ahead of me. She just made it to the other side. It was the weirdest thing in the world. It was like, what? Even somebody like if you, you know what I'm talking about, right? Like if you've gone and done, pursued your dreams in any fashion, there's this thing that we all like to laugh about. It's a phenomenon where things happen serendipitously. Like it's like a phenomenon where you're at your lowest and you just get something, a feeling comes over when you see it. Like you get a message out of nowhere, like just a message or just exactly what you need at the oddest of moments, at the oddest of times where it could not even be coincidence. Something just kind of happens sometimes, you know, and we would laugh. And I was laughing when she was describing that because that was the same thing that was happening to me. You know, she was a. uh, she uh, she wanted to start a hair hair salon, um, and part of her story was, you know, she started her first hair salon, and it, you know, two years in, she had to shut it down because it went very bad, and you know, somebody broke her window. It was it was a it was a complete mess, you know, and it was a hard thing for her to experience. So she went back to working a regular job, and um, she really didn't know what she wanted to do, um, but she had struggled very badly for two years and even for years prior to that hair salon and uh it it was a hard hard time for it but she was describing the story in such a way with such emotion that aligned perfectly with what i was experiencing and i'm like man that's an odd coincidence that two people have gone through the same exact thing and so i you know we were interviewing and you know the interview didn't change a lot of our beliefs personalities what we've been through aligned almost entirely and it was it was it was it was it was it 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 made me feel like okay this is my person this is my people you're not this is my person. That sounds a little too intimate. But these are my people. This is my culture. These are people that are like me. We align perfectly. Like, it's weird. People are, are, are like me in the real world. And then, so, mind you, by this point in time, I'm still trying to get more clients, though. And I sent out a message to the other guy, which I called direct tech to him in November, too. But we started interviewing officially also when I got to California. And I remember in his first phase of us moving to California, in his first 21 days, we moved to, like, four different Airbnbs. It was an Airbnb. Uh, then it was another Airbnb, uh, and then it was a hotel, and then it was a final Airbnb before we went home for the holidays. And so in the second Airbnb, which was a place called the Burlington here in California, beautiful place, high ceilings, um, you know, uh, all white walls, a nice modern glass shower. Um, I wish I could describe the room. Uh, maybe I'll post a picture of it on Instagram or something like that to correspond with the podcast. But, um, yeah, I remember staying at the Burlington and, uh, 
you know, the Burlington had a, a street outside. It was a little more rambunctious. Like, you know, you get to uh, California and you expect it to be like Maryland or like any other place in the world. Like a lot of people here in Maryland are like they're white. You know, that was the general population. But you go to California and a lot of people are Mexican because Mexicans are indigenous to this land. Like they're Native American. Like they're literally indigenous to this piece of land that we're on. So it's going to be more of them than anything. It's not many white people in California. You know, believe it or not. Shout out to my white people back home. Shout out to my white people here. Uh, <laughs> but um, we lived on a street and it was very like bustling at all hours of the day. But it was different from back home because you go in the hood back home and it feels dangerous. This street just kind of felt normal. Like it was cool. People were bustling everywhere. It was street vendors cooking. But people didn't carry a heavy, dense negative energy. We were up the street from a fool, you know, a fool for less. And uh, it was kind of like a, you know, it was kind of like a hood neighborhood that wasn't, that was very friendly. And the people were very lighthearted. And children, young women, if you know young women walk on the street, you know, I, I gauged that to me. Okay, this street is maybe a little more safe. You know, if they don't feel the need to be, uh, maybe be accompanied by some, maybe they all, all can fight. Who knows? Um, but, you know, not young women. I mean, like young women, like, you know, people that, you, people that your parents would normally like be like, no, you know, you can't go outside because you're a target to the malicious people in society. But they were just outside like it was regular. And I, it was an experience that kind of like, first off, really, maybe I opened my eyes to where I come from and how the people I come from perform sometimes. But, uh, yeah, I'm just describing the road for, you know, reason, no reason at all. But the Burlington was nice, you know, very clean parking lot out back. We park in the parking lot. You go inside, you know, it's like the entire building is gutless. Like, it's a long hallway, like light blue, pale blue, paleo blue is what I'm going to call it. Just for, you know, reference purposes. I don't know what I'm going to call that. Floorboards. Everything was like a nice wooden and painted real nice and clean. And we go up the stairway and it was chandeliers lining the middle of the hallway. Uh, the walls were white. Um, the chandeliers like balls, but the, you know, the hallway was massive and, uh, it was a beautiful place. Like, uh, looking at the outside of it, you wouldn't know that, but you go in and it's just, it is breathtaking. And so the Airbnb, which the shower only ran with like lukewarm water for some reason, I was sitting in the Airbnb when I started the second interview with this other guy named John. Um, and I remember looking out the, the, we would do interviews. I remember this one particular day I was sitting on that big fluffy bed that the, you know, Burlington has and this, all white wall room with these high ceilings and looking out the window was there are three windows to my right and the bathroom to my left i'm looking out these three windows at the sunset going down and it gets darker and darker and darker because my girlfriend would go to school pretty late at this point in time and i remember talking on the phone as it got dark outside to this guy and another thing happens that kind of made me cock my head to the side he was literally again telling me my own life story down to a t exactly what i experienced and it kind of really set off a chain reaction, a Rube Gold machine in my mind. Again, chills were coming over me because I felt everything he experienced because I was going through it right now. He was just farther along down the road. You know, he had for years struggled over and over and over again with business and had been at the bottom of things and felt like he knew it all but couldn't break through for some reason. His car window was broken. His car got towed away. And he had all these tickets on the windshield. And so he couldn't even get his car back until he paid all the tickets. But he didn't have the money to do it. He quit his job so many times thinking it would work out. And then he failed. And a lot of the times he was struggling. A lot of times he was unhappy. And a lot of times he was beating at the door. But he couldn't get through. When I was listening to these people's stories and aligning with them perfectly. And he 
to experience that feeling where things just kind of happen when you're at your low point. You know, he was in a situation where, you know, he had a girlfriend and, you know, uh, he was staying with her and she was paying for everything. And, you know, which I never recommend for anybody. Take care of your, the people that your partners, not your girlfriend. If you're a girl, take care of your boyfriend, you know, take care of your partners. I don't recommend you leaving them out to drive. But it was a situation and there was a lot of arguments on his side and his parents and people around him didn't really understand him and wanted him to do something regular. Uh, it was, you know, every emotion and every experience that I experienced, you know, he was, you know, chasing this dream. And like I said, he, he preferred to be solo a lot of the times because he felt like he couldn't communicate the things that he felt to the people around him. And, um, you know, he just wanted to get this idea and his head out to the world. And the, even the partner that he was with, you know, you know, struggled a lot with, the ways he had to react to his journey, you know, maybe sometimes he didn't have money and didn't have a job because he was chasing this dream, this idea, and he needed the time to himself. He needed the time to have it develop. And in hearing the story and feeling it aligned with me, it kind of made me realize that, okay, something's going on, but I don't know what it is. And so then I go back and started re- recollecting and listening to the podcast way from the very beginning of Russell Brunson, of Stephen J. Larson, of, of Frank Kern and what I realized is that hmm everything that these people are recounting to me because these are my people these people that are trying to get these ideas in the world I realize Frank Kern Stephen Larson Alex Becker and even Russell Brunson experienced the exact same thing and I remember sitting there and realizing oh my god it's a pattern it's a literal pattern. It's a pattern. If you go and follow these people's story, this is exactly what you're going to experience to a T. We're all experiencing the literal exact same thing almost to a T. At the beginning of his journey, Russell Brunson was in college and he wanted to get married for his wife and she was pregnant. She was making $9 an hour and, uh, he wasn't making anything. He was just a college student. He was trying this business thing over and over and over again. And uh, he, he tried one thing. It was a little spam thing. And he got his internet shut down. And she was going to work. But he, he just wanted to take care of her. He just wanted to take care of her and his, his new family. And he couldn't do that. He was struggling over and over and over again to get this idea of his business out to the world so he could take care of his wife, his children, or his, his children that would eventually come. And it was madness. It was madness. No one around him understood his mother, you know, his, 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 his the people around him didn't understand what he was trying to do. And so he was kind of on his own. Stephen Larson, you know, if you look at his story, you know, uh, his, I believe his story was that his wife was only eating one meal a day and not really eating at all and trying to, and kind of like hiding it from him while he was trying with all these businesses and he wasn't making any money because, you know what I'm saying? Because he was trying these ideas and they weren't really working out. They were struggling very badly and he had to take care of it, but he couldn't do it. And no one around him related. No one around him understood. And he went on this long and painful journey to get to where he was. You're going to go and struggle through a lot of things. And what I realized at that moment was this. Despite what you know in your mind, no matter what you're given, Even if you have all the knowledge in the world of how to be a business owner, how to be an entrepreneur, how to be a designer, whatever it else, whatever it else it is, you're going to go through this phase of pure hell, of struggle. You cannot skip that because it is part of the pattern. 
So if you're somebody that's struggling and you've been struggling for two years, you're at the right place and you're doing the right thing. And you're probably going to have your breakaway, your come up very, very soon. But you had to go through these two years because it's part of a pattern. Everything is a pattern and no one is exempt from the pattern. They can teach me all this information, but I have to go through this part of the pattern because it is a pattern. You know, no matter how fastly I learn, I cannot accelerate that part because it is a pattern. You know, this pattern is slightly, you know, it might be different time zones or time periods, you know, before you have success for everybody. But everybody has that struggle period. And here's my theory. And I believe we had a struggle period so we can become refined enough. Our character can develop and become refined to the point where we're deserving of the blessings that we can reap from the knowledge that we gained. We have to, it takes that period of time, no matter how much you know, to become the person that's capable of utilizing the information in a proper, in a, in a proper way. You know all, the, all that you need to know, but you haven't become the person that you need to be. You see what I'm saying? Like for me, I had all this information, but it, it took growth internally. You know, I was using all this information to create a business because of, you know, because I was pre, you know, I was, I was. Doing, I was using this information prematurely with old ideas and old paradigms in my mind. I was trying to create a business so that I can get rich and so that I could boost myself up. It wasn't until I didn't have the slightest success, and I still don't, but I didn't, have, didn't even have these little minor sales and this happiness and fulfillment that I have until I realized and became the person that finally realized, okay, it's not about me. I have to yield to this movement. I have to be empathetic. I have to bake a business that impacts people and impacts the world. No matter what I knew, or no matter how much money I had, assets I had, people around me that I had, unless I grew as a person and grew into accepting that I had to be virtuous with what I was trying to do, that I had to be virtuous with, 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 with the principles that I yielded with, you know, that I had, to, I had to realize that it wasn't about me. I had to grow inner, inside as a person in order to understand, in order to really properly utilize the information that I already had all along. And that's the purpose of this pattern. Everything's a pattern. And to, to, to kind of put that growth theory into place, it's like pickup. You know, I'm a big fan of pickup. Even though I've been in a relationship, I don't do pickup. But I, I've, I, you, know, I, you know, I've utilized pickup to, in my relationship and the principles behind it. Um, to even get this relationship and to grow it into what it is, but it's a growing pro- a relationship is a growing process. A relationship is completely a growing process, and pickup is a growing process. And in pickup, you have something called outer game. Outer game is the things you do, the things you say. But none of that works until you cultivate a spirit inside of you that is actually mature, that is actually confident, that is actually the person that you're trying to portray. You can't just get rich and flex your riches like, oh, I got riches and money, date me. It won't work. You have to become the person that's deserving of everything that you have and everything that you put out. That's what inner game is in pickup. You have to grow inside. And so that's the purpose of that struggle. piece. That's the refining period of your pattern. If you're in that refining period, you have to go through it. The obstacle is the way. But realize this. You can accelerate that refining period if you realize what it is that you need to overcome. What is your fatal flaw that's blocking you from getting the success that you want? Look at the people, you know, look at the patterns and the fatal flaws of the other people around you that are in business. What are they saying? What do they what do they learn? Stop trying to focus on the tactics and the strategies. What did they who did they become in order to 
give life to the principles and knowledge that they were trying to put into place. Who did they become and who do you need to become? The sooner you can become that person, the sooner I believe that you can have what you want. But even at that point, like, and this is a, a even more fascinating part of all these people I interview as a writer. Because I interviewed and written for countless people at this point in time. And if, you know, we're still getting the entire idea together. But if you want to get on the list of people who are next to be interviewed and next to be written for, go to memoirlaunch.com slash forward slash launch list and join the list. It's first come first served, by the way. So when it launches, we're going to hit up the first people that joined the list first and the last people that hit up the list last. Um, but the one thing I learned is that in all these stories, this is the journey that usually people go through. Everybody that I interviewed have went through this journey. They struggled and they struggled and they struggled. And they began getting success when they realized that it's not about me. When they developed philanthropy, when they developed a sense of altruism, when they started caring about what they did in terms of other people's lives. How will what I do impact other people and change other people's lives? It usually was that switch from competitive mind thinking to empathy and collaborative mindset that changed everything for everybody when they started thinking about okay what can i do for him what can how can i serve that's when things usually change so think if you're struggling if you're in this period of refining are you serving are you focused primarily on serving and as a subsidiary earning is that what's in your mind is that what the forefront of your mind because everything's a pattern and at first i thought the pattern that I was embodying was because I was learning from people who were on that pattern. But these people that I were interviewing never even heard of Frank, Russell Brunson and Frank Kern. Interestingly enough, well, some of them, a lot of them have. But even the people who haven't still followed this exact pattern. Everything within your life is a pattern. And there's usually an inner place that you have to come to in order to deserve the blessings that you're trying to reap for the knowledge that you're using. Everything's a pattern. You know, back in wrestling, for example... What is the pattern that I have to follow in order to get the success I want? I would just follow the pattern of people, you know, that have already done it because their pattern is complete. They know all the obstacles along the road, all the growth points internally that I have to go through along the road to become a champion. And I became a regional champion. I never became a state champion, but I became a regional champion. What are all these obstacles that I have to follow along the road? They know they have the blueprint. They, they live the entire pattern and they can identify exactly where I'm on the pattern. And so what I did was look at the patterns of people who were successful. I watched Kayla Sanderson. I watched Jordan Burroughs. I watched John Smith. I would listen to them talk. I would listen to their ideology, the way they saw it. Spencer Lee, when he was still in high school, because I was still in high school, I watched him. I watched Chance Marsteller. I watched Aaron Pico. Hopefully he comes back and wins the Olympic. I really hope he does. <laughs> but I watched all these people, their patterns, and I would just follow their pattern. You know, I thought my pattern was manifesting because I was following people's patterns. But first off, the pattern is already preset, but you can accelerate and expand and manipulate the pattern. You can ex- you can expedite, you can fast forward and rewind the pattern is what I'm saying, based on the patterns, learning from the patterns and sticking points of other people. Everything's a pattern in life. You can t- and the variables that you add to your pattern determines, you know, how it will, you know, the pattern that you ultimately uh, develop. You know, like, um, you know, what is the pattern that you have to follow to learn how to walk? Children just observe the pattern that, you know, uh, adults enact when they walk and they just copy it. The pattern of speech. They just, that's all language is, is a pattern of speech. You know, a pattern of expression. Children just watch that pattern and they just copy it and they have success with speaking. But 
even still, the, you know, a child's not going to come out, out of a womb because it's an overarching pattern and just start speaking. It usually takes this amount of time. And it, 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 it really has something to do with the internal growth of the child rather than the knowledge that the child has. They weren't at a stage where they can start speaking. They had to get to that stage and now the knowledge starts manifesting in terms of reward because they've grown as a person. You see what I'm saying? Everything in the world is a pattern. You know, and it is on us to not fight our patterns, just to identify the patterns that we embody and ride the wave and accept where we are and look forward, you know, uh, at, you know, look forward in your own future and predict where you're going to be and prepare for that based on the patterns of other people. You know, everything in life, someone, everything that you want to aspire to do in life, someone has already done. The people who have already done what you want to do, and because patterns are very specific and some are very broad, look at the details of their pattern and make sure, you know, to, to study the principles that they learned along the way, who they became along the way, the two journeys, the achievement, as well as the transformation, and try to, and you know, uh, take note of all the variables that led to that pattern being created and take on those variables for yourself. Did they work hard? Did they, did they work with other people? Did they start with a partnership? Just look at the pattern that's, that, that's happening in front of us. That's what I realized, man. Everything is a pattern. And so a lot of people in society, you know, error on the side of delinquency but what's their pattern you know what are the variables that went into producing that pattern um did a father leave their life did a mother leave their life did somebody die you know the pattern of someone whose mother or father left their life you know depending on who you are i got a homie that defeated that pattern but a lot of people a father will leave their life and their pattern is Similar to the pattern, you know, it, it, it usually manifests in a negative route. You know what I mean? For a lot of people. You can see, you can guess what people, what, what you know, the variables that are happening in people's lives by the patterns that they embody. Oh, this person is a violent criminal. This variable probably happened and influenced their pattern that way. Oh, this, this person is, let's say, uh, they're a cheater in their relationship. Okay, this variable changed and, and manifested this pattern. Okay, maybe they don't have a father. Maybe they don't have a mother. Maybe they grew up poor. You know, okay, he's a he, he's a criminal. Maybe he grew up in 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 this area. You know, these patterns, which which are really stereotypes at the end of the day, but stereotypes are you know, uh, I don't think you should stereotype anybody. First off, never judge a book by its cover. Well, but at the same time, stereotypes and covers of the books are very indicative, in most cases, of what may be inside of them. Now, like I said, don't negatively stereotype people, you know, just go and try to understand them before you do any of that. I never want to inspire, you know, uh, prejudice or anything like that against anybody else. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying you can leverage other people's patterns to understand where you're headed and understand and have a greater appreciation, understand of where you are. Be okay with where you are because that's part of your pattern. You can't defeat that. And so, yeah, uh, that's really all I have to say for this. When I understood that patterns was everything, it really put me into a, like all the fear that I had about the future, all the anxiety I had about, oh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he's right. Maybe I won't make it kind of has been put to a rest. Following the pattern, I've you know made a few thousand, not nothing big from 
being a writer, a solo writer. And it was by following the patterns of these people. And I'm going to make millions this year, likely, you know, and that's just my uh, idealism speaking, you know, because I'm following the pattern of these people. But more so than anything, I feel a security of where I'm at. I feel a security of where my life is heading. I feel a fulfillment, you know, knowing that I'm secure and knowing that I can I can predict what's going to happen by the pattern, you know, by embodying the the the, the pattern of other people is a happy and satiating feeling that comes over me because of this. And that's all I wanted to share, you know. I remember when I realized, okay, I'm on the right path and that I'm doing the right thing and feeling all the fear in my heart kind of just melting away and finding peace. The pattern never lies, man. The pattern is the way. Okay, and I, I just thought that was an important lesson. You know, it's funny because, you know, they say, oh, multimillionaires, multimillionaires, they usually think ahead of the curve. A multimillionaire has a five-year, a 10-year, a 20-year a million year a lifetime plan. I hear people say that all the time, all the time. And they say poor people, they're thinking about the next paycheck. They're thinking about the next moment, the next day. How they gonna make rent at the end of the week? They're very short term with their planning and their ideas. Whereas they say rich people think way, way, way far out. Rich people, I think they have success because seeing far out allows you to see the pattern that you're developing. And, and, and compare that to the patterns that have, you know, that your fault, you know, that that have, in, you know, developed before you. The greats in your industry or in your lane that happened before you. You can see your pattern. If you're thinking to the end of the month, you know, the rent. If you're thinking to the end of the day, you're not see. You're only you're, you're seeing only a short snippet of your pattern, and you're probably comparing that short snippet to the short snippet of someone else's pattern. You understand what I mean? Like, you, you can't see how your pattern will develop. Which, interestingly enough, if we're talking about patterns, I also think poor people have a short-sightedness about their pattern and how their pattern can develop um, because they're unwell. A lot of people are unwell. And unwellness is associated with short-sightedness. Think about if you're depressed or you're anxious or things like that. When, when I was... You know, at my lowest, when I was depressed, where I was, you know, anxious, when I was feeling bad, let's say my junior year of high school, which was one of the worst years of my life. You know, I remember coming home from school every day and I would crash in my bed and go take a nap or before I take a nap, I would watch stupid videos on YouTube all day and I would go out to the, you know, 7-Eleven down the street and I would just go and chow down on the worst snacks in the world. I would buy, oh, let's get Sour Patches, let's get a bag of Fritos, let's get an Arizona tea. Um, let's get Skittles, let's get a Twix. I really like Butterfinger at this point in time, you know, and then a Twisty Donut. And I would shove all of that down my throat in a matter of 30 minutes watching freaking YouTube videos. Think about the horrors that does to your body. Because I was depressed. I couldn't see the way that pattern would envelop long term. It would result in being fat. It would result in performing worse at the sport that I did. It resulted in a lot of brain fog. It resulted in lower performance in my classes. You know, junior year, I got kicked off the wrestling team. My grades were so bad because my brain pretty much just shut down. Okay? But depression, anxiety, unwellness, it's all a short-sightedness. 
your your or symptom of it is, is is that short sightedness. You know, in order to look at a carrot in its face and eat something that tastes the way a carrot tastes, you would have to be able to have a long sight that sees the results of it, maybe a six pack ab or fit body way down the road. But if you're short sightedness, you can't see beyond the taste because the effects of it long term are in the long term. They're beyond your sight. You can't see the pattern that will develop as a result of eating these freaking carrots and vegetables. You can see only the comparisons between them in the moment, which, to be honest, overall in the moment, if we're considering a day, sugary foods that taste good have the advantage. You see what I'm saying? And so there's unwellness and you can't see your pattern. You can't see how it will play out and you therefore can't compare your patterns to other people. But when you're healthy, when you're well, you can see further ahead. You can say, okay, I'm going to eat this carrot because you have enough mental capacity and mental stamina to do so because you're well. You know, I remember feeling bogged down, brain fog, no energy all the time. Absolutely miserable, suffering in my bedroom in the dark. I remember feeling that way all the time. I didn't have enough energy in my mind to solve a single math problem. I remember getting to programming class. I don't even know why I took programming classes teacher named mr millhall and i would just stare at the screen and not do literally anything my brain would just my migraines would be off the charts every single day and then i'll go home and i'd stare at the computer screen or my phone screen rather the light in my eyes in the dark of the room and have a it felt like a drill bit was going through the side of my head man and i would do that every day you know i wake up in the morning without energy you know but if you're well if you have mental space mental clarity mental energy because you're well now, suddenly you can make the decision like, okay, I'm going to eat this carrot because I can see I have enough willpower, first off, to abstain from the bad things and eat the thing that tastes bad but is actually good. And I can see the effects of it down down the line. I can see the effects of it. I can see how much, you know, they did this study on children, uh, to, you know, about children who did well in life. And it was this test where the children would be given a cookie, okay? And they would say to the children, okay. If you don't eat this cookie, by the time I come back, I'll give you two cookies. And uh, then they would leave the room. And they followed these children their entire life. And the children who ate the cookie and weren't given two cookies because they couldn't abstain, because they couldn't see into the future, because they didn't have enough willpower. Um, and, the, you know, there was the crop of children that didn't eat the cookie because they could abstain got two cookies later on the ones who abstained from the pleasure the instant gratification they were the high flyers in life they performed massively better in their life than the group of children that ate the cookie and got instant gratification the people who were able to abstain from instant gratification and see the pattern down the road were the ones that were the high performers you know, interestingly enough. And so, you know, but, but you know, and, and a lot of factors might go into that. Like, where are they living? Were they around every day? You know, is something damaging their willpower? Something making them unwell and destroying their ability to see far into the future? That's the question we have to ask ourselves, really. You know, a lot of these things, a lot of success is about environment. I really do believe that. You know, what is the environment you're cultivating around you? Is it, you know, the friends that you're cultivating around, cultivating around you? Is it, is it associated with wellness and therefore unlocking that long-term vision and seeing that pattern that can stretch out in front of you and how you can manipulate that? 
or we put ourselves in environments that are brief in every in in, in every in every in every, uh, in every domain, you know. How are we, how are we living these lives? You know, every you know. Think about you know if you can see, for example, and this is how you know it's associated with unwellness. All the emotions that are negative are associated with a, a short sightedness and unwellness, because if you can see the rewards of your entire lifetime and your entire day, when someone sits in front of you for five seconds at a red light, it doesn't matter. But if you can't see beyond the hour that you're living in, you know, someone sitting in front of you for five seconds at a red light is a pretty big deal. It's a pretty big deal. A lot of people can't see even beyond the things that already happened in their day. Oh, my day is ruined. So they can't fathom the possibility of a good day sitting in front of a red light for five seconds. You see people in cities a lot. When someone sits in front of the red light for more than one second, when it turns green, they are beeping their horn and enraged and ready to throw into a fist fight. A lot of people in the world are unwell in this way because they cannot see beyond that moment. They're trapped in this moment. In this moment, something bad is happening. There's no statement in their mind registering like, okay, after this moment, something good will possibly happen. It's just this moment right here. I'm angry because X. And it's happening right now. I'm not thinking about the rewards of later or anything like that. This is happening to me right now. It's happening to me. Ah, I want to turn on this car to get a little bit of juice. But, um, yeah, everything's about patterns. And um, as I said, man, like in the last podcast episode, it's important for uh, people, you know, us designers, people who have gotten to the other side of the fence, you know, who are moved on to greener pastures. Um... Which, by the way, you know, it was I was listening to Mr. George Pitts on Instagram. Go follow him. Uh, he was saying everybody was in Egypt once before they got to the promised land. You know, if you've gotten to the other end of your pattern or further along in your pattern, it's important to use your pattern, I think, to influence other people's patterns. We can change the world. You know, the tool of designers is the stories that they lived. Because that's what changes the patterns of other people. I said this in the last podcast. I'm going to say it again. Um, we, our, li- our lives are predicted by patterns. Okay? We throw a variable in and a pattern develops. We throw another variable in and the pattern changes. Okay? But the patterns that we follow are largely decided by the stories that are in our minds that we tell ourselves. You were telling yourself early on because your parents told you this story that the best pattern for you and the pattern that you'll follow is you'll go to school, you'll get a job, you'll get married, and uh, that'll be your life. You'll um, okay. Sorry about that. My phone was about to die, and you'll die. You know that was that was the pattern that you were told, but you know your pattern was influenced because someone like Russell Brunson or Frank Kern, you know, told you their story from the other side of it and the story that they're living and the story that they're excited about, they painted a picture that was better than what you were living with the story of their lives. And that story that they told you had overwritten it, written over the the story that was in your head and therefore changed your pattern from a regular drab life to the life of a designer, the life of, you know, an entrepreneur, if you want to call it that. Something entirely different. It's the stories that rewrite the patterns. And if we can tell enough stories, we can write enough, rewrite enough patterns. And if enough patterns are rewritten, then life becomes different as a mass. You know what I mean? 
Now, people, entrepreneurs, you know, the first thing that they do to change the world and impact people is build businesses. They give the service that they give. But nothing ever is as prevalent, <clears throat> you know, and as, as shifting to the world than the stories that they project, you know, of their own lives. You know, you didn't get a package from Jeff Bezos and like, hey, I want to change my life. It was probably the story of him, the story of the people you follow, whether it's Tony Robbins, Robert Kiyosaki, Russell Brunson, Ty, whoever it might be. It was their story. And I'm telling you their story, maybe in the form of a webinar that changed everything. It rewrote the story that you happened in your brain. And, and you know, in that story being rewritten resulted in a different pattern. Okay. And uh, I, I think that's so crucial. You know, think about the people, you know, from your neighborhood that are, you know, maybe in a gang or maybe drug dealing or maybe they're just living lives that you don't think are optimal. You got to rewrite that story in their mind. But that always comes back to the conundrum of, okay, well, I'm going to tell this person my story. Like, like when you were beginning as an entrepreneur, maybe even now, you're telling people your story out of your mouth and they're like, oh, yeah, that's cool. They really don't understand. They really don't get it. It really doesn't make them jump and transform their identity like it did when it hit you. But the difference is this. When you were told that idea that you told that person, the person that told it to you structured that idea and transmitted it into your mind in a totally different way than you tried to do to that other person. There is an art and a science to transmitting epiphanies and ideas to people. That's what many people don't realize. There's a specific structure. And if you read other books, you know, if you read books like the dot-com secrets books, the extra secrets books, the traffic secrets book, a lot of them aren't based in information because teaching people ideas doesn't implant the idea in their brain. It doesn't give them the epiphany that you had. A lot of stories, you know, are written in a sales memoir fashion. Pick up a business book, look through the book and see the format in which they teach you. It's a lot different than a regular book. Most business owners write regular books, regular memoirs. You pick up Expert Secrets or Dotcom Secrets or Traffic Secrets and read that book. Look how it's structured. That's called a sales memoir. Greatest books of all time. You know what I'm saying? Think and Grow Rich. That's a sales memoir. Well, I haven't read that much actually, but Outwitting the Devil, Napoleon Hill, that's a sales memoir. It's selling you on an idea. There's a different way to structure your thoughts that make them effective. And you'll realize that many people who listen to Russell Brunson and read his books ultimately end up joining ClickFunnels. They become funnel hackers. They build, they, they, they join his tribe, they build his community, they join his community, and they want to be a part of what he's building up. So if you're a business owner and you want to structure your thoughts and your ideas in a way that builds a tribe and a community around you and impacts the world, therefore, transmits your ideas into other people's heads in a way where they can get it, where they can feel it, they can believe in it, they can live that as a lifestyle. Then we do that for you, man. We do that at memoirlaunch.com. But memoirlaunch.com is not exactly functioning just yet. Now, I've ghostwritten for so many people in this format. But look, here's the deal. I want to do it in a different way, like I said in another podcast. I want to put a whole team on board. And so we're assimilating the best writers, the best interviews, and the best people in the world right now to do that for you. I want to give you the best product ever. And so if you want, though, however, to have a sales memoir written for you that can build the tribe in the community that you've been lacking probably a lot of your life, you know, and build um, a, a piece that impacts the world, like actually impacts the world. Not like, hey, this idea, blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah, that's cool. Then look, 
We can do that for you. We've got a waiting list uh, of people who want to have their sales memoirs written for them. Okay, like a ghostwriting service. Um, But that list is first come, first serve. So if you want to get on that list, you know, and uh, be able to book a a phone call with us and discuss if that's the right fit for you, go to memoirlaunch.com forward slash launch list. Okay, memoirlaunch.com forward slash launch list. And on their website, you can uh, sign up for the list, man. You you really want to sign up as soon as possible because the further you're back on that list, um, the longer you might be waiting for somebody to get in contact with you. One team can only write so many so many memoirs at one time, okay? And so if you're not getting in the top ten, top twenty, you know that first batch of people that are going to get their stuff written, you might be out of luck. And so go to memoirlaunch.com slash launch list. And uh, on that website, their first thing we'll have is an interview, not an interview, a little quiz to see if you're a good match for launch list in the first, I mean, memoir launch in the first place. You know, uh, we kind of only write for people who've been through this journey, who have really something to say. Um, people who are, you know, the designers of the world. But either way, I believe, you know, you'll, you'll be fine. Uh, take the quiz. Uh, it'll ask you afterwards to give us, you know, to join the list. And, um, man, I hope to see you over there because, man, I know you got a brilliant story to tell the world. And I'm looking forward to hearing it myself as well as recording it. Um, so there you go. Memoirlaunch.com slash launch list. Uh, but, yeah, man, that's, that's all I have to say for today. Today's episode, patterns, man. Patterns. What is the pattern that you're experiencing right now? What does that pattern result in? What is the variables internally and externally that are missing from your pattern uh, they're stopping you from getting the results that you want. Um, send that to me on Instagram, man. Send that answer to that question to me on Instagram. Send it to me under the podcast. And please, man, if you listen to this podcast, because it does so much for us, please rate this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, whatever you might be on. Um, not only can, uh, not only do I need uh, like ratings, please rate this podcast, but also comment on this podcast if you can do that. Whether you're on Podbean or whatever site you might be on, uh, hit me up. Uh, on Instagram, talk to me. I like to reach out to everybody to listen to this. J U N I E P R A Y E R is my Instagram. Juni Prayer. Juni like the name, then prayer like a prayer. Uh, Juni Prayer, just one thing, all, all one one name on Instagram. Uh, reach out to me and uh, talk to me uh, about what you think. But other than that, thank you, designers, man. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. This is the Grand Design Podcast, and I appreciate you so much for listening. It's your boy Dallas, and uh, I'm not going to start saying that, your boy Dallas. That's so wack. And uh, I'll talk to you another day, man. I appreciate it so much. Peace out. Hey, look, man. I'm just stepping outside real quick. Um, Audio might not be the best, but I just want to add one more thing, man. When it comes to patterns, when you switch from a competitive mindset to a collaborative mindset and you want to impact the world, you want to give to the world, even at your own expense, think think a little bit about which pattern you're following when you do that. You know, people in religious text, you know, I'm not religious, but, you know, I think it's important that's in this lesson. People in the religious text throughout all time mention these religious figures. And uh, one of the notable ones is like Jesus. And what is the pattern of Jesus? What did Jesus exist to teach people? People say they're Christ-like and all this, blah, blah, blah. But... They want to follow everything or harp on everything in the Bible except the one thing the Bible was really geared to teach. You know, they want to say, oh, I didn't have sex before I got married or blah, 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 all this, all this other stuff. But if you break it down, like, 
Jesus was poor. He was a carpenter, I believe. He didn't have anything. He didn't have anything, you know. What he did have was, you know, obviously being God in a sense. But he even gave up that to be human. And he didn't have anything in his life. But he came down to earth. And when he could have just destroyed his enemies, he could have competed against them. He could have blew them out of the way. You know, he could have outed his betrayer. You know, he saw the pattern that he was living. Um, he hardly even had friends. A lot of people didn't understand him. But what he came down to do, he just lived his life and gave as much as possible. He served as much as possible. And where he didn't have to, because he was poor, he didn't have much to give. He gave the one thing he had. He gave his life. He literally gave the one thing he could give, his life, as a poor person. He gave his life to save even his enemies, even his traitor, and the little bit of friends he had left. And he died. And I believe, you know, if you really look at it, the one thing that's being taught in that journey is empathy and collaboration. He could have competed with them and blew them away easily. He could have just condemned them from heaven. But he decided to serve. He empathized with people, decided to serve and collaborate with the world around him to come to the best solution. And so I believe, you know, that pattern is a pattern that all people slip into. They say the purpose of Christianity or being a Christian is to be Christ-like. And to be Christ-like, obviously, is to be serving, to be empathetic, and to be in a collaborative mindset. And I believe everybody performs in a Christ-like manner when they recognized, you know, okay, as an entrepreneur, this is the pattern that I'm following, and I'll never get to the good parts of that pattern unless I switch to a collaborative mindset. You're performing in a Christ-like manner, in a serving, in a giving, in an impactful, and empathetic manner. You're being Christ-like when you reach that point in your journey internally. And I just thought that was a powerful statement that I wanted to add. Look at the pattern, because this pattern that you're embodying has been around and written in every religious text since the dawn of time. And I think it's a power added to it. When you look at the religious context of it from millions or thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago. Um, I just thought that was so powerful to add. Um, but really, I don't have anything else to say. So peace out. I'm going back in the room and actually living the rest of my life. Thank you. Uh, not living the rest of my life. Not you would. But you know what I'm saying. Peace out, guys. Or dude, man, whatever. Just peace out, man. I'm trying not to be like a fake YouTuber personality type of thing. What's up, guys? All right, whatever. See you later.